What's up, everybody? It's IBS Yeezus, and this is our first podcast of 2019. I have with me my co-host, Maurice. He needs no introduction, nor does he get any airtime, because I don't want to hear about uh, James Harden. So, with that being said, for his sorry Dallas Cowboys, Happy New Year, Maurice. Happy New Year, sir. I was going to say, if you're not there, that'd be even greater. I have with me um, my trusty mute button, so when you say things I don't like, I will use it at my discretion. Um, I guess, you know, let's start off with something light today. Uh, each show is going to be different. We're not always going to be so serious. Um, we'll let the conversations flow. Um, I'm thinking about letting callers uh, chime in either the last 15 minutes of the show every week or just have a show where it's just all call-ins. Haven't figured that out yet. But the number one thing on my mind right now is um, before I kick my wife out the room, she told me that RS will be logging tax returns. That is devastating news because of the government shutdown. Now, I've never been one to be in the politics, but this one kind of hurts me a little bit to the core because I do enjoy my a little bit of money, and I had a kid, so I could get that tax return boost. So I'm a little disappointed that I can't get that this year on time. You better stop building that wall there, man. Get that wall. I was about to say, I know you got a comment on it, bro. We we broke out here. We don't get paid for this. <laughs> I'm check the check, man. And I work for the state government. They not paying nothing. Sheesh. But um, I also. I was just, like, thinking about this right before the show came on, though. In that same breath that I was so disappointed, I was extremely happy because I saw that Unlimited Pancakes are back at OP. So, um, <laughs> being the fat kid that I am, I'll, I'll accept that. That That's a decent trade-off. Hey, I, I don't get no, my you taxes. Gotta do that, um, you got to do that um, all-you-can-eat uh, ribs and um, chicken fingers and shrimp at Applebee's, man. Nobody worry about what? no pancakes. When is that? <laughs> When is that? Uh, it's going on now. I don't know. I think it ends like sometime next week. Might be the only time I ever go to Applebee's. All right, that's cool with me. I'm gonna have to check that out. I might do that tomorrow. Um, speaking of tomorrow, tomorrow we got the NFL playoffs. I know you're excited. Your Dallas Cowboys are up. Um, we just saw James Harden lead a crazy comeback last night with the Houston Rockets. So you're on cloud nine, and you're self self proclaimed. Bama fan. <laughs> so we can start with that. All right, before we even get into the actual matchup, you're not you're not a diehard college football watcher. So give me the casual fan perspective of the college bulls. What what is your take on the college bulls? Do they excite you? Which games did you like? Which games do you not like? Elaborate a little bit. Um I don't know, man. But... The uh, Final Four has been kind of kind of boring. Well, I'm not going to say boring, but it's it's been pretty much blowouts both games, especially the Notre Dame and uh, Clemson game. That game was basically unwatchable. I, I mean, I expected Clemson to win, but not like that. And um, the Bama game was a blowout to to a certain point. Then you know Oklahoma kind of made that push to kind of make it make themselves relevant, but. Those games weren't really exciting to me. Um, I've been kind of busy last couple of weeks, but I caught that uh, Iowa State and um, Washington State game. To me, that was the best bowl game so far. Um, it was basically a shootout. You know, anytime you got Mike Leach on the sideline, it's going to be a pretty entertaining game. You know, he, he's very unpredictable when it comes to play calling and just, you know, just things with college football with him. He, he's just weird, but he's a very, very good coach. Um, I wish he would get back to a big program. I think the whole uh, what's Craig James son, you know, that whole situation kind of like ruined him. Yeah. But um, he's like the architect. Yeah, he's the architect of like spread offenses in college football, man. So I don't think he gets enough credit that he deserves. But that game was was uh was was really good. Um, yeah. I didn't check out many. Let me see. I didn't check out any other games. I seen Virginia Tech loss, which is always funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't really had time to really watch much, man. But the final, like the the, the final four game, and uh, that I checked the Iowa State game out just because I was just 
laying around the house and I caught it on TV. Yeah, I I follow uh, college football obviously for gambling purposes. Um, I'm Conference USA all the way up to the SEC, and honestly. I think a lot of the bowl games were entertaining. I think the issue is, is that people don't know a lot of these teams that, that are in these early bowl games. Basically, the bowl games before New Year's, people don't really associate with these teams, so they're like, oh, this sucks, this sucks. But in actuality, a lot of those games are entertaining and competitive. Um, I think there's a misconception with the general public that uh, if you are a top-four team, then you're good or you can compete. But in actuality, college football has been a two-team race all year. It's Bama and Clemson. It's been like that for the last three years, you know. Um, and I think I saw somewhere where there's between the two teams, they've only lost four games. And I think uh, Clemson lost two of the four. And uh, Bama lost to – I recall Bama losing to Georgia and probably losing to Clemson was the other two. But um, either way, I think the expectations were too high this year. Uh, there is a huge gap between one and four and two and three, and that's why we got these blowouts. Um, moving forward, though, the most interesting thing about the bowl matchups had to be when the mascots attacked each other, or rather one mascot attacked and the other one kind of ran for his life. Bevo, Bevo, honestly, I, I don't know how they pronounce it. I don't really care because it's Texas. But um, what <laughs> – why would they bring out a bull, man? Like, it's, it's like sometimes people forget this is a real animal, like a real, like, one-ton pound animal. Like, I don't know how much the bull weighs, but but it's a big bull. And it's, it's too big for one man to be grabbing him by the horns because he's trying to stump out a pug. I, I need answers, Maurice. What was your, what was your uh, reaction when you saw that video? Yeah, uh... Actually, that's another game I saw, too, was the Georgia-Texas game. Um, shout out to Jay Holland. But, um, yeah, I I just thought that was weird. But you know how Texas is, man. They they different down there. And the, the simple fact that it was actually people out there trying to protect the dog instead of protecting themselves, that, that really kind of threw me, too. Because as soon as I seen that bull charge, I don't care who – who the mascot? I don't care who's there. I'm I'm worried about myself first. So that was that was pretty funny, kind of entertaining. I just didn't understand why you know they kind of you know jumped in front of the dog and tried to you know kind of protect him instead of trying to protect themselves. Yeah, I thought that was um, one of the most interesting foreshadows of college football because the 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 bull comes out ready to ready to rumble. The dog takes off running. Texas pretty much punch Georgia in the mouth, and 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 Georgia's a, a mess. And we could we could touch on that for a second because I know again you don't really follow um, the college game as close as others. I'm not a big high school follower, but I do know Justin Fields. I do know um, what the expectations were for Mr. Fields, and I don't understand how you could lose somebody like that and and just brush it off. Do you think that Justin Fields going to Ohio State is um, a bigger issue for the Georgia program than they're making it out to be? Well, um, how long is uh, – I mean, what is from? Is he – From is he should a, be – he should be a, a junior next year. This is, this is his second year. He's a true freshman last year. And he's coming back, right? I, we don't know. I haven't heard him declare. I don't see why he would declare. Uh, I don't think his stock is as high as uh, Haskins and the rest, but it is a very, very weak uh, quarterback class. So if he did declare, I wouldn't be totally shocked. He might not get any higher than what he is right now. Yeah, because from what I'm hearing, um, he had – Fromm had a pretty good season this year. I mean, he didn't do too well in the bowl game, but – I think he played well enough. If he comes back, then I don't see what the issue would be with Fields. Like like, like you said, I don't really follow too much Haskins football, so I'm not sure. I mean, I'm hearing that Fields is pretty good. but no, He's, he's they, pretty they, incredible. Uh, so how long has Fields been there? 
Phil's just got there this year. Um, he was just highly, highly recruited. It was, it was pretty, pretty, um, pretty intense. But I, to my knowledge, he came in with the understanding that he would start or at least compete in, against Fromm. And I think he obviously thought he could beat Fromm. Um, but they didn't even use him. Uh, even when he came in, the couple times I saw him come in for Fromm, they wouldn't even let him pass the ball. It was more like the the Kaepernick uh, intro where he just handed the ball off or ran himself. They they tried to use him in um, some really poorly designed goal line packages that didn't really fit his um, his skill set. So it was just dysfunctional from the start. Then there's this uh, rumor that he was called the N-word and he left because of that. So it's, it's just a hot mess. Um, but he's going to Ohio no, State. No, not in Georgia. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's going to Ohio State, and um, that doesn't go well for Jim Harbaugh. But I will save Harbaugh's talk for when I get Ronnie on here because that will be one of my f- most favorite moments listening to him hopefully admit that he's wrong about Harbaugh. Harbaugh's trash. No, I'm just playing. He's just not as good as, as people think he is. But um, we'll roll into something that you do know about. Um, first, let's get your prediction on the bowl game, the national championship. Bama or Clemson, who you got? Man, I, just like the Patriots, I can't ever pick against Bama, man. Um, they, they just their defense, I think, is going to get to um, what's his name? I call him Sunshine, but yeah, I think the defense. Yeah, I think the defense is going to put too much pressure on them. Um, Clemson has a very good defense too. Now, if they can kind of, you know, get the tool, then it could be a game. But at this point, I think Bama. Uh, I won't say run away with it. I think they will win convincingly. Even though Clemson is a very good team, but I just think Bama is just. NFL talent basically compared to Clemson being a very, 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 very good college football team. But I just think Bama Bama should should take it on Monday. Yeah, I'm on record as saying and I and I will say this on the show and I will stamp it and stand by it. If Dabo Sweeney somehow covers the spread, we're not even talking about winning the game. If he keeps us within a touchdown I will be shocked, and I will give him the utmost praise because I don't think Clemson stands a chance. No, I don't think they're they're uh, I don't think they're good enough um, across the board. Now, Trevor Lawrence is is definitely special. He's a good talent, great talent. Um, he's gonna do wonderful things next year at Clemson. Uh, he could very well have a, a good game, but I just don't see him in in the early stages of his collegiate career. Just being able to beat a team like uh, like Bama and Tua, for what it's worth, is is seasoned, you know, and he's obviously playing at a high level. And their their chemistry with the RPO, the play calling, just the execution across the board. Uh, I just think Bama's got a lot going for him. That's that's in the trending in a good direction. I will say that if they lose the line of scrimmage battle up front because Bama does have some guys who were suspended from their offensive line. It didn't give them any problems against uh, Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is not the same kind of defensive beast that Clemson can be. So I, that would be something that would be interesting to watch up front. If they can, if Clemson can create something, they're missing their best uh, defensive player too as well. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if they can scheme something that could disrupt to it. But, again, my expectations is Bama to – not, I don't say run away, but at least win by two scores. <clears throat> at least by two scores. Um, switching over to the NFL. Uh, I know you want to talk about your Cowboys, but before we get into the Cowboys, how in the world do the Eagles keep coming back? Like, why won't they go away? I hate Nick Foles. He's ruining my man Wentz's whole demeanor. He's he's just they need to trade him. Need to get rid of him because Wentz can't obviously Wentz can't play and function with that kind of pressure knowing that there's somebody on the bench just sitting there wishing him ill so he can get in and run away with the show. That's my take on it. Well that's the only part I'm enjoying about this is this is showing that 
I can kind of slander Wentz even more if Nick Foles keeps winning. But back to your original question, man, your guess is as good as mine. I am so sick of this team. For, for, well, first things first, I blame Kirk Cousins for being trash because they're not even supposed to be in the playoffs, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you – the Bears really had nothing to play for. This, the second half of that game, the Bears had second and third stringers in, and it was a one-score game. Matter of fact, it was a three-point game. Kirk Cousins, you know, I, I laughed at Redskins fans, like, the last couple of years saying, you know, y'all just hate me and Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. And I will admit, I was wrong. Like, Kirk Cousins, like, we're going to touch on this topic later, but Kirk Cousins kind of reminds me of James Harden in a way. Like, the numbers is beautiful until it's time to, to really perform. And I don't know, man. Like, I apologize to Redskins fans about it. The dude really is not worth $84 million guaranteed. But Philly, man, they just they, they got, like, this grit. And anytime you have a defense, well, I won't say a defense, because that defense was kind of suspect this year, especially especially the back end. But if you can control both lines of scrimmages like they normally do, the defensive line and the offensive line, you can win a lot of games. Um, Nick Foles is just comfortable because basically he's in the same system he was in under Chip Kelly. Maybe not as gimmicky like it was back then, but – I mean, it's just RPOs, 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 and that's what he does well in. And I give the Eagles coach, like, a lot of credit for, you know, like kind of, you know, adhering to what Foles is good at and is actually working. And one thing about your boy Wentz, he's a very good quarterback, but, like, I think Alshon Jeffrey kind of got tired of him at a point because it was all Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz. It was all day he was just looking for Zach Ertz. And now when Nick Foles, when he comes in, Nick Foles actually, you know, he spreads the ball around. And Jeffrey, one of his strengths is is just throw it up and let him go get it. And that's exactly what Nick Foles is doing. And you can see the last couple of weeks that actually, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's been playing really good football because Nick Foles has been giving him a chance. Um, They play the Bears, though, and this is where I think maybe, you know, it's going to come to an end because – when you go to Soldier Field, it's going to be cold. It's going to be gritty. That defense is going to be ready. And I, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to, to beat the Bears. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure how I want to call that game either. NFL lines are so tricky from a gambling perspective. But I, I, do, like, I do like the idea that Nagy and Peterson are from the same – coaching tree. I think that's a storyline that hasn't been touched on. So it's not like either man is going to not understand the, the fundamentals of, of the offensive scheme, which could make for a very challenging um, a very challenging scenario when it comes to play calling. So Nick Foles is definitely more comfortable in the system than Wentz is in, in some, to some degrees, and I think that's because Foles will get rid of the ball quickly. I mean, you touched on one of the aspects. He's also not afraid to just throw it up and let his receivers try to make a catch for it. Um, Wentz does that too, but he just does it across the middle of the field in between, like, three people. <laughs> so uh, Foles is, is very good at identifying the one-on-ones and, and allowing Alshon to, to do what he does best, and that's win the one-on-one. So I think that's – just an interesting storyline how that's going to play out. Um, I said on our show yesterday uh, when we did the uh, NFL podcast, I said that I thought it was important for the Eagles to establish their defense on first down so they can get the Bears in a situation where they have to pass. And that, I think, plays into the strength of the um, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and that would be their pass rush. So uh, interesting game for sure. Um, but out of all the playoff games um, for the first round, which one are you most most interested in seeing? And I'm going to assume it's the Cowboys game. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just because I'm a Cowboys fan. I think these two teams are like, I won't say mirror images of each other, but they are very similar. Um you got both teams that can run the football. I, I kind of give the edge to Dallas there. But then you got two quarterbacks who are kind of similar, but, I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson, I'm taking Russell Wilson over that. Um, two really good defenses. 
I, I really just think they're mirror images of each other. I'm I'm excited to see this game because I'm I'm really thinking this could be one of those games where it comes down to who has the ball last or who makes who makes a play in the fourth quarter. I'm 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 really not excited, to, you know, about this game. I'm more nervous than anything because I mean this is definitely a matchup that Dallas got that could probably could probably hurt them more than help them. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I'm nervous, man. I, I think we can pull it off. A, a lot of people aren't giving Dallas a shot, but you got to remember, I mean, even the last three, four years, Seattle's not the same team on the road as they are at home. Now, if this was Seattle, I would agree, but in Dallas, and Dallas played really well at home this year. I really do think they got a chance. Um, Kind of similar to what you were saying about the Eagles, I think the Cowboys got to, you know, play well on first down, on defense, kind of um, get get them, you know, third and seven or longer. And, I mean, you know, Russell can still make that play, but I like our chances getting to the quarterback if we can, you know, make them pass. Yeah, it's, it's – um... It's a game that uh, I think uh, my friend Jeff summed it up best, is that basically the teams are mirror images of one another. It's just the Seahawks kind of do what Dallas does better. Um, I will say that the emergence of Lockett and and the health of Baldwin will greatly help the Seahawks' uh, offense. Um, Defensively, I think that they can be aggressive enough or they're not afraid to be aggressive enough to really challenge that to beat them um, in the air. Uh, I I would think that the emphasis would be on stopping uh, Zeke. And I think that uh, the Cowboys knack for not converting third and longs is very well known at this point. Also their red zone woes on offense as well. But in the same breath, I will say that I think that this is the Cowboys game to lose because of home field advantage, because the Seahawks don't really have a great history on the road. Um, but the Cowboys have to establish themselves early, and that's just something that Dallas doesn't do often enough or consistently enough uh, for people to put faith in them. And I think that's where a lot of the public uh, pushback is coming from, is that people are basically looking at this like, well, you got two teams that are mirror images of one another. I got to trust Jason Garrett or I got to trust Pete Carroll. Now, Pete Carroll's got his gaffes, too, as a coach, um, but for some reason, people overlook him. But at the end of the day, his team puts the ball in the end zone nine times out of ten, the the one time being when they want to pass on the one-yard line. Um, Jason Garrett's team just seems to be incompetent around that area, and I think that's something that's that I had touched on during the season and something that honestly might hurt them um, given this playoff game. Uh, you also said something that was pretty funny as well when you said that uh, it, it's going to come down to who's going to make plays in the fourth quarter. And the first thing that popped in my head was, well, I would definitely trust Russell Wilson to do that over Dak Prescott. But this could be Dak's turning point. This really could be Dak's turning point. And I think a lot is riding on this one game, Jason Garrett's uh, future not necessarily being in question, but how long of a leash he's going to have next year. And then you got to think of the paydays for Zeke and Dak. You know, they're they're coming up pretty soon. And playoff wins will get you that. Amari Cooper, due for another contract himself, playoff wins will get you a boost. So they've got plenty of motivation. <clears throat> it's just a matter of executing. And I think we'll, that'll be something that will be apparent early, you know, if their minds are really in the game, if, if the coaches' minds are really in the game. Um Colts are playing the Texans and the Ravens are playing the Chargers. Of those two games, what are you most what which one would you be most interested in watching and why? Uh Colts and Texans. Um Yeah. I don't know, man, because that Ravens Charger game is gonna be I don't I, I just I don't trust Philip Rivers. I I'm sorry. I <laughs> I know he's a great quarterback, but I I just can't trust him at this time of year. So I, I probably would say Texans Colts just because one it's a division game, which is always kind of interesting in the playoffs. And two, I think we got uh, two really good quarterbacks going at it. T- 
two pretty good defenses going at it. This, this is probably another mirror image game if you think about it. Um, Andrew Lux came, you know, he's come back real strong. I know people are saying this is his best year ever, but didn't he have a year where he threw like 40 touchdowns? I, I think the year they lost to the Colts and got blown, I mean, to the uh, Patriots and got blown out 40s and nothing. I think Andrew Luck had a really good year that year. But considering, you know, him coming back and no one was sure. I want to say that the real issue with Andrew Luck um, and why he's getting so much praise is that his turnovers are down. He was pretty turnover prone for a while there. Um, Not as as high of a clip as, say, like a Brett Favre, obviously. Um, but I would venture out and say probably for every every two touchdowns, he's probably throwing a pick or two, the, like or in between a pick and two, a pick and a half average type thing. Because um, it was pretty high. Um, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can always go back and look and just verify on the next next episode that we have. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why people are praising him so much is that he's just more efficient this year. And it's also his first full season back from his injury. Right, yeah. When we got blown out by him, uh, it, it's it, watching him, I got to give a lot of credit to Frank Wright because I think he, you know, as he would kind of hold on to the ball trying to make a play. But now it's like, you know, three-step three step drop, get it out. Three-step drop, get it out. And every once in a while, I try to get T.Y. But I think he's he's much – I will say he is much more decisive now than he was back then. And I think a lot of that goes to Frank Wright installing that offense, you know, because of, you know, preventing him from taking the hits. Not to mention this year he finally has a line to protect him. I think he has a top-five line in the league this year, maybe even top three. So yeah, I think once you put a line around him, and, and you know the offense that Wright put in there, I, I kind of think that really kind of made him seem much more better than he was in the past, especially protecting the football because it's just a quick it's quick decisions now. It's not holding it and seeing what you can get. Yep, and um, <clears throat> that's something that people haven't really. Like mainstream, I think they haven't given as much credit to is that offensive line, and um, you know, kudos to the Colts for investing in an offensive line, and and then again, Frank Wright is, I would say, cut from the Andy Andy. Um, I was about to say Andy Dalton, the Andy Reid uh, tree too, and Andy Reid likes to get rid of the ball quick. They emphasize that it keeps their quarterbacks upright. It keeps them protected, safe, et cetera. That's, you know, something that's perfect for somebody like Andrew Luck, who's got really good feet in the pocket. Uh, he, he progresses really well um, when he's got people in the field, um, and he gets rid of the ball quickly as well now, and I think that has boosted him. And, I and you know, we could go back to the Eagles one more time. That's what made – uh, Carson Wentz MVP material last year is that his his feet was good in the pocket, which is something that I had criticized before um, when he was drafted. But they fixed that after year one, and he was getting rid of the ball quickly um, and finding open receivers and space, and and everything was just looking smooth. And I think we see a lot of that with Andrew Luck uh, this year. Um, Lamar Jackson is favored in his first playoff game. Is that surprising to you? Yeah, I guess I would say yeah, I guess I would say so because for one he's a rookie and two, like I haven't seen him pass much. I mean they say he can't pass at all, but he, I've seen a little bit of passing, but that run game is so strong. Um, it kinda reminds you of uh kinda you know, I don't like to compare but it kinda reminds you of the R G three years where it was more, you know, uh read option and, you know, decide what you're going to do. I think RG3 is a better, was a better passer at that time, but it, it it's kind of, you know, it's, especially the first time seeing it, it's kind of hard to stop. Um, it, I think Joe Flacco was there the first time they played. So it's going to be kind of different there with Lamar Jackson. They, they, it's going to be something different for um, San Diego, for uh, Los Angeles. Um, but yeah. – as I said, the first time they played, it was actually Lamar, and they went and they went to San Diego and beat them, uh, which I was shocked. Oh, really? I think it was on a Thursday night, so too. Late. Yeah, I think – I swear it was on a – if I recall, it was on a short week. 
but they definitely it was definitely Lamar. Um, and it's funny that you said it reminds you of RG three because uh, the Ringer did a uh, article on it, and I didn't read it all the way through because I will openly admit I don't like the Ringer just because I'm jealous because they have um, access to things that I don't have access to, and they might they really do make really good informative articles. So I'm just jealous. That's why I don't read it sometimes. But I do skim, and um, I was looking at their write-up, and their write-up was super eye-opening. They were talking about how Lamar has many different elements of all the run, read option style offers that we've seen over the over the recent years, and that um, if if you look closely. Um, and, and break it down a little bit. It, it's probably more elements of of what Vic did in um, in Philly, as far as the design running uh, plays for the quarterback. But when you add in the running back, the design plays of that nature primarily resemble the Colin Kaepernick, Greg Roman era. And Greg Roman is also a part of this coaching staff, so that all kind of made sense. Uh, they also showed where um, I think one of the coaches was linked to uh, the Vic era uh, offense as well when he was in Philly. It all kind of made sense and came together. A lot of Lamar's uh, runs are actually uh, runs outside of the tackles, which would be more like, you know, more of a Vic thing. I think a lot of the runs uh, for Cap were designed inside runs, but I would have to look more into that. Either way, the article is really good. If you ever get a chance, just Google it. Lamar's taking the league by storm, and I, and I will say it's not that he can't pass. It's just that he can't pass in a in a complex system. So to me, it's a simplified attack, um, and we can get into that more uh, in a future episode. So I want to get uh, to the NBA because we, we got about 20 minutes left, and I know you want to talk about your boy. So I will give you the floor. Why do people hate James Harden? Because people hate greatness. Let's be real. No, no, no I'm just joking. <laughs> man, it, I mean, it's obviously his style, man. I mean, even I cringe sometimes watching him play. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets kind of boring watching him, you know, go and just foul. He, he searches for fouls. Now, I will say last night, he only shot, like, I think seven or eight free throws. That's the kind of hard I enjoy watching. That When he's on, he's cooking. He's, you know, got you in the mixer. He's crossing over, step back threes. To me, that's beautiful basketball. And he he doesn't do it consistently enough for the average fan to, to like. Like, we can watch it and we, you know, we joke about it a lot, like him flopping and stuff, which, you know, he does. But that, I mean, he's actually using, he's actually using the refs as a tool. I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. But, the average fans don't want to sit back and watch, you know, him shoot 20 free throws a game. and I, So I kind of understand where people come from, and that's where the hate comes from. But I really don't think it was much hate. It was just the Rockets was trash the first half of the season. Well, I mean, the first quarter of the season. And he didn't deserve the credit that he's getting now. He's getting the credit now because not only is he balling, but the Rockets have won like 10 out of 11 games, and – they hadn't had Chris Paul in like six or seven straight games. So it's basically just been Harden trying to carry the offense, facilitate. So he got to score for himself, and he has to make sure, you know, all the, all the shooters get theirs. He got to make sure Capella get his. And speaking of Capella, like uh, nobody's talking about him, but he's also a huge reason why the Rockets is winning. I mean, the man is getting like 20 rebounds a game like the last five, six games. And he's one of the unsung heroes. It was like that last year, too. They they don't ever give Capella the, the credit he deserves. And I understand why, because he, he can't really get his own shot. But defensively, the man's a monster. But back to Harden, I, just, I think just his game, like the way he plays, like it turns a lot of people off. And in a way, like I said, I agree with it. Like watching him, as a Rockets fan, I'm happy, you know, seeing him get, to, get fouls, get to the line, do his thing. But – if I wasn't a Rockets fan, I kind of would be upset watching him play sometimes. Yeah, I 
I haven't been as critical of um, of Harden this year just because I know people are like, oh, he doesn't play defense. I'm not going to lie, man. I I watched a couple Rockets game, and, and <laughs> the dude does so much for that team that Honestly, I will I will go on record and say this. If he takes a break on defense, so be it. I mean, he's doing a lot. Like, I think this is the same criticism people used to give uh, Russell Westbrook before um, he started trusting his teammates a little bit more and before he got Paul George and after Durant left, where there was that window where he's literally doing every single thing, rebounds and, and scoring and, and directing people, facilitating always moving without the ball, dominating the ball, et cetera, et cetera. He's just everything on the offensive end that, you know, you get back on defense, like, you probably do take a break because your team needs you to score 50 points and get 10 rebounds and get, uh, you know, 13 assists just to compete. And um, the way Harden plays is very annoying, um, but in the same breath, it's not his fault. The, the refs are calling it. And NBA officiating is at an all-time low. I don't know if it's social media or the fact that people are just watching the games in high definition now and closer, but that call that they missed with Kevin Durant last night had to be the worst call in, in the history of sports. The, the, the guy's seven foot and, and four feet out of bounds when he saved the ball. I don't understand how, how you can tell me that you see people's toes touch the line, but you can't see size 18 standing out of bounds. You know, like that's that's ridiculous, ridiculous. And and um, it's just one of the things that honestly, you, when you look at stuff like that, that's just one example, but there's a lot of bad officiating this year uh, to the point where you can't really criticize the players for trying to manipulate it because at the end of the day, their goal is to win. So, if you're gonna put me on the line twenty times and I'm already and I'm shooting over eighty percent free throws, I'll take that any day, you know? And and yeah. why not? So so it's up to the it's up I to think the another... to change that. Uh and and what we see in come playoffs, he doesn't get that kind of love and and the style changes and that that might be why we we make jokes about playoff Harden because he's not getting right. that call. You just touched on what I'm just about to say. Yeah. I, I think another turnoff, too, and I'll be the first to admit, is he's not the same guy in the playoffs than, you know, as he is in the regular season. He, he's gotten a little better, I'd say. Like, last couple of years, he, you know, he's had games where he was off. But to me, if you go, if you a shooter, like Kobe will tell you, if you a shooter, you need to shoot. I don't mind you going out there going four for 18. If I mean, you're getting your shots up. To me, the harden that upsets me is when he just basically don't shoot. He just, you know, he's so nonchalant, like a days ago. He he doesn't want to shoot. And to me, that that's what really pisses me off. That that game against the Spurs, like I was telling Ben Garcia on the page, I will never forgive him for that game until he gets <laughs> us a ring. Just because the man literally gave up on his team. He really just, I mean, flat out, I have no other way to put it. He gave up. And I kind of think that's another turnoff for fans is you see this all year, and then when it comes to playoff time, he you know it's, he's not the same guy. And no one's really going to be the same guy except if your name is LeBron James when it comes to playoff time because, you know, defenses, you know, teams, they, they got, you know, every single day you're playing the same team. And it's not – you don't catch a team on a back-to-back. It's not three games in four nights. It's just you have one team, you can focus on one player, and you can kind of, you know, draw up game plans to take him out of his game. So you, you're not going to be as good in the playoffs as you was in the regular season. But in his case, it's such a big drop-off that he kind of got to tighten that up a little bit for him to get the legacy that he wants. And he's always talking about he wants to be known as one of the greatest players of all time. If that's the case, you got to do better in the playoffs, bro. Yeah, and and the game the game slows down when the playoffs uh, come up, and and a lot of that is because people get more rest, and and they're I guess you could say some teams and some players do try harder. Um, <clears throat> I think that some of it also has to do with the fact that Harden has expectations for his teammates, and he's always been surrounded by a bunch of role players, and role players ain't really the guys that you look to to step their game up in June, and I don't know if he 
mentally was ready for that in that Spurs series. Um, I feel like last year he gave more of an effort, and I think it's all – I would like to say it's all going to come together this year. I don't know how far they'll get, but as far as his personal performance, my expectations is for him to take that next step and and really take charge and lead um, against, you know, some of these better teams. The NBA is heating up, though. It's it's a lot of – a lot of good action uh, early in the season, and, and we don't know if the Warriors are really playing down to people or if this is really what we're going to get from them. Uh, and it's refreshing to see them struggle a little. Uh, what was the what is the biggest surprise outside of the Warriors' struggles to you this season? Probably Denver. Um mm-hmm. Them being first in the West right now is really surprising. I, I, you know, I thought they would be a playoff team, but they're playing really, really good basketball right now, man. Um, Jokic, Jokic, or however you say his name, he Joker probably. The, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I don't want to overstep, but he's probably the best center in the league this year, man. I, I can't think of anybody that's playing better at that position, just because he's so. Like, he's just so different than your average center. The man can come out there and get you 20 points, 20 rebounds, but at the same time get you, you know, 10 assists, some blocks. He's definitely the the, the new age center that you're going to see kind of transgressing in the league. Like, the Capellas and the DeAndre Jordans, they're kind of phasing out. And, like, you know, the Jokers, those are the new guys that you're going to see coming in. And Denver is so deep, man, if you think about it. They got a rookie right now that hasn't even played um, – What's the guy? Um, shoot, why is it, why am I drawing a blank? Um, shoot, what's the rookie name that played one year, but he hurt? He got hurt in college. I think he played for Purdue or somebody like. But anyway, don't, they don't give me him. He was a. It'll come to me once the show's over. But they got they're so deep, man. They they got they go they can go nine ten deep and. They might be a force to reckon with in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to end up with the one seed. I think Golden State probably, like, we was just talking about how you think they're struggling, but let's be real. At the end of the day in June, you're going to see Golden State against, I don't know who, maybe Toronto. Um, Toronto, Boston, I don't think Philly's. Philly's got the talent, but they just, we were talking about it on the page today. They're they already kind of falling back just because of Jimmy Butler. He can't he's coming and he's trying to, you know, make some demands or whatever, but I think either it's gonna be Golden State versus Toronto. That's my prediction. But I do think Denver can get a top three seed and if that's the case, they got a good chance of going to the Western Conference final. Yeah, and the uh player you were talking about was Michael Porter Junior and it's funny because if you had said Mizzou I would have known, but I thought Michael Porter went to Sacramento because everybody goes to Sacramento, but Bagley's on Sacramento. But, uh, yeah, he, he uh, it was uh, Missouri that he played at. And, yeah, he hurt his back, okay. I think, and that's why he was out. I knew it was but, one um, of those yellow and black teams. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I always think Denver's a hard um, place to play at during the regular season because a lot of times, especially on back-to-backs, you go to that high altitude it really pulls uh, people's legs out from under them. But it's funny to me that you say <clears throat> Jokic is uh, considered, like, you know, the evolution of the position now because it's it's funny that people complain that guys like DeAndre and Capella don't got no touch, don't got no post move, can't really do anything but put back dunks. And then they complain that guys like Jokic and, and, and B don't play in the post enough and all they do is shoot jumpers. So it's like you're never you're never gonna satisfy these people, man. Um, heck, they would probably say the same thing about Shaq if Shaq played in this era, and uh, you know only dunked on people. But Shaq obviously had better footwork and some touch. But they'd be like, oh, he can't shoot free throws. He's trash. Like there's always gonna be some yeah. complaint to somebody's game. My apologies in the, in the NBA. Yeah, but it's funny that I always. Uh, I always think about that when I think of NBA fans. That's why they get on my nerves. They don't ever appreciate greatness. And um, right. I'm not saying Capella is great because I don't appreciate Capella at all. But those 25 <laughs> rebounds he gets do help, though. They really do. They do help because it's funny that I notice when he isn't getting rebounds. So, obviously, I you know, just off that alone, 
he's obviously a huge factor because the Rockets, when they don't get those boards, are a totally different team, especially on the offensive board side. And that's something that he's really good at, um, and that's an unappreciated asset in today's game. Uh, with the amount of volume that people shoot from, you would think that offensive rebounds would be emphasized more. So Capella's definitely got a nose for that. Um, let's see. I had something else. We're almost running out of time, and I want to keep the show um, within an hour. So let's do your live reaction to the Floyd Mayweather New Year's Eve extravaganza fight. <laughs> All right, well, first of all, let me just take it back and apologize to him for saying Joker's the best center in the league. I, it totally <laughs> set my mind that he there's indeed is out there until you mention him. But um, we really going to talk about this, man. This is, yeah. That Floyd fight, I still haven't even I still haven't even watched all of it, man. It, it's a joke. Now, I can't blame him for going out there and making this $9 million for, what, a, like a, a round. But I don't know, man. If, if he if he wants to be known as the greatest ever, like stuff like this to me, me, just my opinion, I think it's tarnishing his legacy, man. It's, he, he's going out there now and boxing kickboxers. Like the dude couldn't even – I think the dude that he beat was like a young kid that's a kickboxer. And it was so sad because I seen at the end when he was kind of crying that he lost his name. <laughs> it just seemed like a – yeah, it just seemed like a whole like a joke to me, man. Like I, I couldn't even take it serious. Like – and he thought I'd be walking around talking about fifty-two and zero, fifty-one and zero, or whatever. That I can't even consider that a boxing match, man. Like, if if you want to fight, come back and fight one of the. I'm not gonna say young guys because I think the young guys will take him to the woodshed, you know. But come and get one of these lesser guys in your weight class and fight them instead of going to Japan or wherever he was at fighting like these kickboxers, man. It's I I can't take him serious no more, and and I'm I'm a Floyd guy, like. When people hated on him, him running and ducking, like that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to not get hit and hit. That's the the object of, of boxing. You don't want to end up, you know, not being able to join your money when it's all said and done. But now I'm kind of getting, it's kind of he's. I'm kind of getting sick of him, like I am of um, Adrian Broner. Like both of them are kind of getting on my nerves, just seeing them pop up in the news for dumb stuff. Yeah, I um. I always say that Floyd Mayweather's career ended for me after the second Pacquiao fight. Um, I refuse to acknowledge the Andre Berto fight, and I refuse to acknowledge any of these exhibitions. Um, I don't think they should count for his record. I I know I was very angry that people were um, trying to count um, the uh, Conor McGregor fight, but why Why would you cry? Like, dude, this is Floyd Mayweather. He's got 20 pounds on you, and he's been boxing since he was, like, three years old. Like, you might kickbox, and you might do mixed martial arts and all this and that, and every fighting discipline is different. And when you fight a master of that discipline, I don't care who you are, you shouldn't be beating them if you don't have at least six, seven years of experience. Like, you can't be a first-year uh, fighter and think you're going to beat – like a first-year fighter trying to box somebody and think you can beat a trained boxer. Like Mayweather is the master of his craft. Um, I mean, I guess the equivalent could be um, Silva. Silva could get anybody. He could get – he could get. Uh, I know him and Roy Jones had jokingly t- talked about fighting each other. He could get Roy Jones in the ring, and he would dominate Roy Jones in the octagon. Roy Jones gets him in a boxing ring before he started, you know, getting knocked out left and right. He probably would have took him to the woodshed too. So I don't understand why people are so upset about that uh, when they fight these guys. But $9 million for two minutes of work, <laughs> I can't even comprehend yeah. that much money, him. man. I can't comprehend I can't. I can't be mad because I didn't even pay for it. And it took me all but, like, the time it took me to brush my teeth to actually watch the whole fight. So I'm not mad at all. <laughs> so um, what I am mad about is people try to act like that this is, is some boost to his legacy. Like, heck, no. Nah, there's a reason why that man went to Japan and fought somebody in the middle of the night. So <laughs> let's not get it twisted. He's not touching any of these young young bucks right now, and, and that's fine. 
I mean, dude's going to keep calling him out because his name draws people's attention, but he don't need to actually box anymore. Um, so for the last segment, I had this like two weeks ago, um, and then we never got around to the show because we tried to do the show, and then the the, um, the blog talk cut out. So the last segment is Would You Rather, and it's going to be four questions. And I'm going to have you answer them for my entertainment, okay? So, Maurice, would you rather argue that Dez caught it or James Harden plays defense? Oh, Dez caught it. I mean, Dez did catch it. So, I don't – I mean, that's facts versus a myth. Harden doesn't play defense. I know that. But by the rule, he didn't catch it. (laughs) I'm I'm just putting it out there. He did the same thing. Did you watch the Eagles uh, last week? And I think uh, it wasn't Tate; it was Aguilar. Caught a touchdown, and the ball bounced up, and he—that's he, the same thing Dez did. Now I know they changed the rules, but I'm just saying Dez caught it. From if, if we're going by today's rules, then we're, I'm telling you, Dez caught it. All right, <laughs> he'll still be a cowboy right now. If, if they had gave him that touchdown, he'd still be a cowboy right now. Would you rather play for Jason Garrett or work for Jerry Jones directly? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, what type of work am I doing for Jerry Jones, first of all? You like the GM, as if he would allow that, but you like the GM. And you're not his son. You're just a, you're just a random guy. I'll probably play for Garrett, man. Cause I think Garrett gets a lot of now. I, now, don't get me wrong; he's not the greatest coach. But when we're losing, it's oh, fire the clapper. But when we're winning, like he doesn't get any credit. Like I understand he hasn't done much, and I don't want him there either. Don't get me wrong; I I, I think it's time for a change. But you gotta give him credit when he deserves it. I mean, he's won the division title two out of the last three years. So I think Garrett is a uh, – he's a player's coach. Like, he's one of the – I think players enjoy playing for him. I just don't think he's a good game manager. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about him in relation to – um Ronnie touched on this yesterday or maybe in the chat, but it was hilarious when he brought up the fact that Hugh, Hugh Jackson has no support from – anybody from the Browns organization, not one player or one assistant coach, anybody uh, associated with his time in Cleveland has said anything positive about him or came to his defense uh, with the whole Baker Mayfield fiasco. But as much as we do criticize Jason Gary for being a clapper and, and, and just being um, a terrible uh, game manager and, and just overall coach, he doesn't get anything negative said about him from uh, players or people that have worked with the uh, Cowboys organization. So um, not many people have anything bad to say about Jerry Jones either. Like, he'll go to bat for you if you're his guy. I mean, he still owes the lead $2 million for Zeke. So um, <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't uh, diss him that hard. Um, would you rather argue that the earth is flat or argue that the moon landing is fake? Hmm. I don't agree with either, but I guess the moon landing is fake. Um, <laughs> I mean, so you're you're asking me which would I think would be more true? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, basically, what would you believe in more, or what would you rather believe? I in? guess I would believe that somebody landed on the moon before I would believe the earth is flat, I guess. Um, this is just weird, because only weird people believe either one of these two things. Yeah, that's why um, I asked it. <laughs> but it came up. It came up. It's an NBA thing. It came up, apparently, because NBA cats are definitely weird. They got video evidence, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but if I'm an American and I'm supposed to stand by my American standards, I'm going to believe that Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. So I guess I'm going to go with that. 
right, and then last, would you rather set your fantasy lineup? Or no, actually, I'll reword it. Would you rather have Stephen A. Smith draft your fantasy lineup, or have the auto draft do it? The auto draft, man. No doubt, <laughs> that's not even a question. Stephen A. will be picking players that like plays. Like Stephen A. Probably a pick cap. Like he, like his knowledge when it comes to especially football, he's terrible at football. Like I remember we watched, uh, we were talking about a segment on first take where he was saying like Hunter Henry and like guys that didn't even won't even on the field. Like he naming those guys to be um, impact players of the game. So Stephen A. Football knowledge is so bad. At least the auto draft is going to kind of get you what you need. Stephen A. will probably have you, like, in last place by, like, you know, the third or fourth week of the season just because he don't have any idea about what goes on on the football field. He really don't know basketball either, but he's a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I question his overall sports knowledge, too. I think he just gets by yelling. He just – he just – He's just the loudest person in the room, so you just kind of let him talk or, or think or would assume that he knows what he's talking about because he believes in it so much. Um, right. That will that segment will change uh, week to week based on who we have. Um, I'll get more creative with it. But uh, those, like I said, some of those were kind of old just because I actually done that December 18th because um, that was going to be our first show. But then Blog Talk decided not to work. All right, um, moving forward in the future, man, I got a soundboard and all kind of stuff I'm going to use. I just didn't use it today because uh, it's not updated. But um, I am glad that you participated. And I'm also distracted because I'm watching this Mavericks game. They're terrible right now. But um, we'll get into like, <laughs> hey, you know. You know what's crazy? I'm watching it right now too, and I, like I was thinking, like like five minutes ago, I was watching. I was like, "Damn, Luca balling!" And then I looked back yeah, at the right. score and they down by twenty. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What?" And it's funny because I keep every time I see a, a white guy in a Mavericks jersey, I just assume it's Luca. But it's like, no, that Dirk, no, that that's uh, JJ. Like, who is the other light skinned dude? I don't even know these people, but um, I I have bought into the Luca a little bit. Uh, he's sneaky, man. Like, he's he had a sneaky 13. I don't look like he's done anything. And then I look at the stat line, and he's got, like, points and rebounds and stuff. I'm like, dang. So, he's definitely uh, one of the brighter spots in uh, the NBA. And, I, and I'm without a doubt sure that uh, the Atlanta Hawks are going to regret getting Trey Young instead of keeping Luka. But uh, no we'll see doubt. how that plays out in the future. There's still plenty of time for these guys to develop. NBA is definitely something that you want to be patient with with some of these guys, but Luka's showing great promise early on. Um, we will be back next week. Um, I'm not sure if we'll do Tuesday or Thursday. We'll figure it out. We'll post it in the uh, group. But uh, this is the first episode, and we're going to be week to week. So hope you guys continue to tune in. Maurice, you got something you can close out to you, the co-host. You can say something. (laughs) All I want to say is John Washington, run them pockets. Oh, my God. Rockets, here we come. (laughs) So I'm in the the, – let me put a classified out for a new (laughs) co-host. You guys are not not making the Western Conference Finals, man. It's just no way. No way. First of all, there's no way Chris Paul's going to stay healthy enough for that. Second of all, there's no way that James Harden can can continue to just – I mean, that would be a LeBron-like effort for him to literally carry the Rockets through the playoffs and the Western Conference Finals, uh, presumably without Chris Paul, at least one series – Cause it's gonna happen. Well, I just I don't yeah, think he can do it. That's the, it. All hinders on uh, Chris Paul's health. Obviously, if, if Chris Paul isn't healthy, then no, I, I'll even admit we're not going. But I think if we can get Chris Paul back, man, and get him rolling, and if he can stay healthy, but a hamstring is a hamstring. I mean, you don't even have to, you can you can pull that getting out of bed. So that 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 that's all that really matters. Chris Paul's health. If he can't stay healthy, then no. But if he stays healthy. I think the Rockets are going to get back hot again. <laughs> we going to see. We going to see. Uh, this has been Talk to Talk, Episode 1 with uh, IBS Eases and Maurice, and we're out. All right.